Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Email Edition for March 5th, 2008. From Orlando, Florida, I'm Pete Werner, joined as always by my team of great friends and Orlando experts, Bob Varley, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. And we have, uh, I'll tell you, it's <laughs> there are so many emails and voicemails, as I make noise, so many vo- uh, emails and voicemails coming in every week, it's incredible. Um, I mean, it's in the hundreds now. It's in the hundreds every week. Yeah, the month of February, was... the stack that I had for us to shuffle and pick a winner out of was the most we've had in a long time. It's great. It's that's fantastic. Cool. And uh, that's why you'll see that our email shows are, are expanding in length. And, uh, you know, we love doing And I, I'll tell you, I love, I love doing the big show, but I really love doing the email shows. I really enjoy the interaction and the voicemails, especially the voicemails. Um, so if you want to give us a call and give us a cast member story or you have a question for us, toll free in the United States, one eight seven seven three one zero nine six six two, Or if you'd like to send us an email, send it to podcast at www.info.com. If we read your email or play your voicemail on the show, you'll get your own Diz Unplugged t-shirt or a Diz Unplugged pin and lanyard. And at the end of every month, we select one winner at random from all of the emails and voicemails we play on the show, and that person has a chance to win one of 30 prizes that are inside a bunch of envelopes that we have here, including the still elusive podcast cruise that is sitting in the... I am dying to open up one of these emails and give one of these uh, envelopes and give somebody a podcast cruise. You have no idea. There's one in there just waiting for one of you to pick the right number. So with that, we're going to go ahead and get started with our first voicemail this week from Nicole who has a question about traveling to Walt Disney World over the holidays. Hi, podcast crew. My name is Nicole, Maddie 100 on the boards. And by the way, before I continue on, it's one degree here in Iowa. Did I spark any jealousy with my weather report? I am the one who posted the picture of my patio table table with over a foot of snow standing on it. And one week later, it's all still there. So anyway, on to my question. I have a friend who is a teacher, and she wants to visit Walt Disney World when the Christmas decorations are up. Being a teacher, she can't go whenever she wants. She has to go over her break. My suggestion to that is to not go. But um, I told her she can look at my pictures. But she's still insistent that they want to visit during their Christmas break. I just listened to an older show where you discussed a plan of attack on Christmas Day, and my question is more related to when over this Christmas break should they take their trip, not so much planning every day out. We will have two full weeks off from school this this Christmas, and our last day of school before the break is December 19th, which is a Friday. And our first day back at school is January 5th, which is a Monday. Do you think they would be better off leaving as soon as we got out for the break on the 19th and being there before Christmas and over Christmas, or should they plan to leave right around Christmas, right after Christmas, and be there over New Year's? They have two young children, six and three, both boys. This is their second time visiting Walt Disney World. The first time was this past summer, and they will be staying on Disney property and not leaving at all. So to recommend that they stay off property and do something else for part of the trip is not an option. Have a great day and keep up the great work. I love listening to the show. Well, Nicole, I don't know. We'll go around the table and get everybody's uh, idea. For me personally, um, I would, uh, as soon as that last day of school happens on the 19th, I'd be on the first flight out. It's funny. I was going to say the same um, thing. And yeah. I would uh, take my week then because at the end of the week, you'll have Christmas. What a great way to top off the your friend to top off her vacation. And um, you will at least have a couple of days in there where the crowds won't be quite so hateful. If you go after Christmas and through New Year's, forget about it. You're just, just you're going to be, you, it, it, it's going to be miserable. It's going to be miserable. You're not going to get on anything. It's funny. I thought the same thing when I was thinking. She said that their last day was the 19th. I would have that car packed. And as soon as that bell rang or you said goodbye or hug that last kid, I would be in the car. She'd be knocking kids over. Exactly. <laughs> I like her idea. She said, no, you just don't go. You can just see my pictures. That was, <laughs> cute. that was cute. I do agree with going on the 19th. I will say this, though. The best chance for Disney not to be crowded would be the second, third, and fourth. Yeah. It would be yeah. early in the year. It'll so. be dead. But, However, yeah. 
there's something to be said for the build up to Christmas. Yeah. Seeing the Christmas decorations after everything is over, yeah. it's kind of like being the last one to arrive at the party. Yeah. It, it it's it they're still beautiful, but it's just not it's, it's not over. the same. I agree that right. sort of Christmas There is a Christmas letdown deflated. Yeah. But Again, if the, she's looking for the least crowded of those days, it's going to be towards the end of that. But I'm sorry. I just have to throw something in here. If you hear, like, uh, tap dancing... It's not Ann Miller. <laughs> we, <laughs> in the new studio, we have hardwood floors, and uh, Max is walking around, and... He does sound like he's tap dancing. It sounds like he's tap dancing. They get on the slippery floor, and it's like they they have nothing to grasp onto to keep him still when he shakes. Or Bob hasn't clipped his toenails, and he's just walking barefoot. Oh. <laughs> God. Like a tree sloth. Or the lady on Ellen. Oh, my God. Oh, I so what that's all about. Yeah, I think, uh, unless anybody disagrees, I, I think our recommendation absolutely is first possible flight out on the 19th. Yeah. And then what she can do is if she gets into the parks on the days that aren't so crowded, you can kind of slow down and on Christmas, when Christmas Day, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day happens, sort of say to yourself, okay, we can sort of take this easy and enjoy the uh, atmosphere. The experience of it, exactly. As opposed to... You're also going to have a better shot at having a Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party beforehand. Uh, so candlelight Processional. Right. And no, the Christmas Day Parade is not on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, that's usually yeah. recorded. Uh, part of I mean, they run, the, they run the Christmas Parade, though, throughout the month, don't they? Yep, and the Christmas Party. Well, the big one. Yeah, well, and I'm saying they run the, they, they, it's the same parade. They, they run it. They yes. run it all month. It's just the one, they actually record it for television. I mean, when Regis and everybody else is right. there is early in, earlier in December. And a lot of that is taped footage from past years. Don't plan your trip around trying to see the taping of that parade. Yeah, it's not worth it. Just come in and enjoy it. But I, I think I, I still believe that it would be better before the holiday. Absolutely. I think you might be able to still get some discounts for from the 19th to the 24th uh, on hotel rooms, too. I, that's a, a, an area... That they're trying to get people in, so right. your your best bets for any discounts is going to be during that time, and, and also after the first of the year, too, a couple of days after. And also keep in mind that uh, you know a, a call to the uh, the Walt Disney World florist, it's expensive, but you can get a Christmas tree brought to your room, a fully decorated Christmas tree brought to your room if you want to have that Christmas experience. Put some presents underneath. There's all sorts of really really cool stuff you can do, and I think the experience, as Kevin said is going to be a lot better and a lot more Christmassy, if that's a word, uh, doing it the week prior as opposed to the week after. So I think uh, I think we're all in agreement on that. Thank you very much for the voicemail. Ask for a six-foot tree. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't want to spend that money on the Disney florist, for what you would pay for a Disney florist Christmas tree to be delivered to your room, get a cab, go five minutes off Disney property to the Super Walmart or the Super Target for 40 bucks, put a Christmas tree together by one of those LED Christmas trees for 20 bucks, and plug it in in the room. You'll still be ahead money-wise. Yeah, true, true. All right, who has an email they would like to read? I do. Mr. Close. I do. Mine is from Shelley. And Shelley is in Uliga, Oklahoma. I've been accused of wanting to read this email just so I could say Uliga. You're right. However, I have a story about Uliga, Oklahoma. But I'm going to answer the question first. I'm trying to decide when to visit Walt Disney World this year because my husband is a principal, fits in with our last email, and we are limited to times when he is out of school. I was considering the week of Memorial Day, and but this is still up in the air. How busy is the week after Memorial Day? I expect the parks to be super busy that weekend. But Monday, uh, how do the crowds thin out after that? We visited last year, the third week of June. So how would the crowds compare at that time? We will have a five-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, and we'll be hitting the parks early and taking afternoon breaks at the resort, then heading back in the evening. How will the weather compare? First of all, Shelley, I need to let you know that in the South, kids are already out of school. Yeah. So you are going to run into, it's going to be about, it's going to be similar. Crowd-wise, yeah. The week after Memorial Day and the third week of June, you're not going to see any difference. It's going to be hot. By that time, summer has arrived here in Orlando, so it's just going to be... It's just going to be hot. I think from what you're saying about knowing that you're going to go back and take a break, you've probably already done some research on this. I just would not expect any great difference. So there's the answer to your question. Now I have my Uliga, Oklahoma story. When we took our adventures by Disney trip... 
a year ago, uh, October, last not a year from last October, one of the people, actually two of the people on our Adventures by Disney trip when we went through Italy was a couple from Uliga, Oklahoma, Terry and Joe Maltis, Maltzberger. And she used to refer to Uliga, Oklahoma as the geographic center of the universe. So whenever anybody would take, ask where she was from, she would say the geographic center of the universe, Uliga, <laughs> Oklahoma. This is why this sticks with me. If you run into, if you by chance, you know Terry and Joe, I think you should walk up to her and just say the word gazpacho. We were walking through the streets of Venice and we had been warned about pickpockets. I was at the end of the line and we were walking down this very narrow sort of street. You would actually consider it an alleyway and you had to actually turn to pass someone. That's how tight this was. And I felt a little hand trying to go in my pocket. And I reached back, and I grabbed a hand. It was probably a six- or seven-year-old boy trying to take my wallet out of my uh, cargo shorts. All I did was let his hand go, and he disappeared into another little alleyway. But I yelled to the rest of the group, hey, guys, watch out. So as we walked down this alleyway, we got to a larger square where we all kind of congregated. And I said, did you hear me yelling back there? And she goes, yeah. I don't understand why you're yelling gazpacho. (laughs) I said, she goes, I don't know what that means. I said, do you think I have food, Tourette? <laughs> I'm just wandering the streets of Venice screaming out food. She says, well, I assumed it meant you were hungry. Uh, so if you, want, if, you see, if you know Terry and Joe from the geographic center of the universe in Uliga, Oklahoma, just walk up to them and say gazpacho. I'm sure they will laugh. And then tell them, Kevin and John said hello and give them a hug. Boy, are they going to have an experience. Well, yeah. <laughs> from what I understand from talking to them, it's a very small town, and he is a dentist. Right. And oh, I, so they definitely probably know him. I have a feeling that they probably know him, and he's their dentist. It's the Maltzberger <laughs> family. We get, a, we get our Christmas card from Terry and Joe, so tell them Kevin and John said hello. Cool. Look at all the business you're sending his way. I, I can't vouch for his dentistry. He was a very nice man. <laughs> Did he have a nice smile? He was, they were very, very, very nice, nice people. Too, yeah. But Great. that's well, our Terry and Joe story from Venice in uh, Ulga. Well, thank you very much for that, Kevin. And just to let everybody know, it's 75.9 degrees in Orlando right now. Who else has an email? I do. Bob. I have one from Angie Watt. And she doesn't. What? what? Angie Watt is from Saratoga Springs, New York. Angie Watt that? is uh, actually a good customer of Dreams Unlimited tra- uh, Travel and Kevin's client. So, hi, Angie. Hi, Angie. Yeah, okay. She is. She's from Saratoga. Take my word for this. Yep. Her email address tells me that. You met Angie at the podcast meet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say, Bob says. <laughs> hi, Angie from New York. Uh, she was listened to one of our email shows and about uh, protecting your personal items uh, at Blizzard Beach and elsewhere, and she wants to share uh, something, a tip for us. Uh, she says she always brings a water wallet on vacation, not just on cruises. That way, if I'm in a pool or ocean anywhere, even at the boardwalk pool, I have money in my room key or credit card on my person. Obviously, I can't fit the camera into the water wallet, so if I am at the beach, I leave the Nikon locked up and use a disposable Kodak uh, that has a reasonable quality uh, to use for the thing, uh, taking pictures. Uh, to use for the thing. Well, <laughs> Is that how she wrote it? No, she did not write that. I know she didn't. Has a reasonable quality one these days. That's what she wrote. I was trying to add Julie, little, read it for him. It says Kodak has a reasonable quality okay. one these days. Okay, yeah, maybe it, Kodak has a reasonable quality maybe I put one a these days. Yeah, I think you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah. <laughs> syllable. So. Yeah, my syllable is wrong. There's Max. This, this way I have the most valuable items protected and I'm able to relax a little more without worrying about theft from my beach bag. Which is a great tip that she, she's given us. Uh, I want to just add something about the cameras and taking them to the beach. Uh, I've been doing some research, and a lot of the cameras, the, the, the pocket cameras and the, you know, the, the newer ones, are having problems. And one of the problems they have is they, people have sand get into the cameras. 
and that's one of the the largest things that makes them fail is is that and it'll it'll void your warranty so if you're going to the beach she's right you should not take that camera with you your valuable camera and just get a disposable one because that's that's one of the biggest things about voiding the warranties yeah, I so, definitely recommend the water wallet, too, because um, even if you lose it, that's more likely to turn up at guest services at the end of the day. Um, it's If you carry loose change and your uh, loose dollar bills in your pocket and you lose it, you get, it's gone. You, there's no way to claim, like, a 5 or $10 bill at guest services at the end of the day. Or ev- ev- You can even use a Ziploc bag. Those also get turned up. Yeah. The other thing is that we have to say over and over again, even though you're at Disney, use common sense. Yep. People are... N- People are people. Yeah. If they see an opportunity, some people will take it. Exactly. Just safeguard your stuff and take advantage of... I lost my train of thought. (laughs) You made me think about the song. Julie was like humming and conducting what I was saying. (laughs) Well, I said people are people and she was singing the song. I get it. I didn't sing it out loud. So so I just wanted to bring those points up and Angie... Has some good tips out there. So thanks, Angie. Well, thank you for that, Bob. Thank you for your email, Angie. Uh, who was the name of the other voicemail? Nicole Stephanie. or Stephanie? Stephanie. Stephanie, and she was Massachusetts. Bur- no. Flower and Garden. Flower, Flower, Flower and Garden. Two, three, two, one. All right, our next voicemail comes to us from Stephanie, who has some questions about Epcot's Flower and Garden Festival. Hi, podcast crew. This is Stephanie in Massachusetts, also known as Burberry Plaid on my discords. I wanted to thank Kevin for um, answering my question about the Fantasmic dinner package and recommending Hollywood Brown Derby for dinner. We are looking forward to eating there this spring. I have a question about the Flower and Garden Show, which takes place at this time. We've never been, and we were wondering what it's all about. We'd like to hear your tips on what to expect and how we could fit it into our itinerary. It's just my husband and myself, and we're both in our early 30s, and we are wondering if this is something we should check out. Thanks in advance for your help and suggestions. I love the podcast. You guys are awesome and so helpful and bring a much-needed laugh to my Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Thanks a lot. Hi, Stephanie. Bob didn't know I was going to throw this over to him. <laughs> I'm just, you know, well, Stephanie you're, you're, you're mentioned she's from Garden Mass- expert. I love. I'm getting so excited. This month's going to be the Flower and Garden, and I'm just so looking forward to get the cameras out and get video and tape and and uh, this is definitely photos. Epcot at its best. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. And the park never looks better. Yeah. Well, one of the things they've extended. The Flower and Garden this year, and um, one of the things people might not know is they've actually do two plantings during the Flower and Garden to because of the the extra long. And just to let people know that uh, Epcot's uh, Flower and Garden Festival this year is running from March nineteenth through June first. This is really long. It's a long one. And just to add on to what you're saying, when the Flower and Garden first starts, the plants are young. And while Epcot still looks pretty, if you give it two weeks, three weeks, Epcot starts to look really lush. The plantings start to fill in. Mm. And then what happens is they start to reach their peak and they start to decline a little bit. And that's when they do their second planting. Right. So you go through the whole process over again. And this is something that just started last year, I believe, with the second planting because of the long season. And with it being even longer this year, it's more important that it is that way. And I just love the flower and garden. I don't. Well, a lot of what, well, a lot to answer your, to answer her question though. A lot of what goes on there, uh, you know, beyond just you know them putting out beautiful topiaries and 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 various flowers, they have a lot of uh, seminars that they run uh, during the day. Uh, these little little uh, tents and kiosks are set up, doing all sorts of demonstrations on everything from raising orchids to. You know, had a had a manager garden, water we, gardens. We went to see one um, one time about natural pesticides. What bugs are good for your garden? And you made me go. And it was all about, <laughs> you're looking at me surprised, and it was like all about these killer oh, bugs. That's right, I did make you go. Well, they they yeah. had this huge screen, so it was like pictures of bugs eating bugs. But um, it. There's all sorts of things, and there are famous gardeners who write gardening books and things like that, so if you're into gardening. Now, one of the things that goes on during Flower and Garden, happens on Mother's Day, is the Mother's Day brunch. If you're going to be in town for that, 
uh, actually, I, I got to see if I got to see if they're taking reservations yet because I have to I have to do that again this year. We did that last year, the Mother's Day brunch, and at first I was really taken aback by the uh, by the price of it. It was like forty fifty dollars a person for brunch, which is kind of pricey. Worth every penny. The yeah. food was out of this world, and my mother was in seventh heaven. Just absolutely loved it. They have a lot of things going on. You have th- th- a lot of things going on through the spring happening at Epcot. We have all that information up on the site. We're going to include a, a, a link to that in the show notes page. We have a lot of updated information for 2008. We also have a link on that page to the segment we did in 2007 on uh, the Flower and Garden Festival. And we have all of our photos from the 2007 Flower and Garden Festival on the site as well. One of the highlights of the Flower and Garden Festival are the Flower Power Concerts. Yep. Oh, yeah. Where they have groups from the 60s and 70s and performing each night. And this year we've got uh, the Guess Who, Petula Clark, Paul Revere and the Raiders, the Fifth Dimension, the Nelsons, Jay Black, a whole bunch of uh, artists from the 60s, 70s, and maybe one or two from the 80s, although I'm looking through this list. and Maybe the Nelsons. Yeah, I was about to say, I remember them. The Nelsons, yeah. Um, we but, went and saw Pat- Petula Clark last year. You've got that. You've got... Uh, we have the, the area... You have the area where the butterflies, they take you through and show you how the butterflies start out as caterpillars and work your way through. They have a whole area that is Minnie's caterpillar garden. Yeah. I like or it. butterfly garden. That's a lot of fun to do. And they like all the topiaries. And then over in uh, France, they have the area where they talk about the different smells and the plants that they grow to make perfumes. And... The, they have sniff, uh, sniff stations where you walk around uh, in France. That's a that's a, a nice thing over there. And then they they're doing a thing on water gardens. I think they've already started construction on that uh, over near the rose garden uh, walkway. And the, just the rose garden walkway. Uh, this this times of the year that, that that's just phenomenal over there. I'll be so. the person leaning over the railing trying to sniff the roses. I'll be the one trying to take a picture of a, a bee trying to go into the rose. And we're going to have, uh, obviously, we'll have full coverage of uh, this year's Flower and Garden Festival uh, later on this month after it starts. So thank you very much for, uh, for, your, for your voicemail. And like I said, we'll have a link on our show notes page to all the information on this year's Flower and Garden Festival. So head out to podcast.wdwinfo.com for that. And who has an email they would like to read? I have one. Corey. From Sean Wendover from Coburg, Ontario. Hi, guys. My wife and I are going to Disney World. For a few days before, we're going to be spending some time on International Drive. Can you give me any ideas for stuff for couples to do on the drive? Fun, romantic, etc. Well, Point Orlando, it really depends on what you want to do. I mean, there's, there's no shortage of shopping on International Drive. There's the, you know, Point Orlando has 50 shops. They have full-service restaurants. They, um, there's a movie theater. It's a nice place to just walk around. Um, you're also close to City Walk if you're going to be in that area. I don't know what, where out on International Drive you're going to be, but if you're going to be around the convention center all the way over towards Wet and Wild, you're still going to be pretty close to City Walk. That's also um, a great nightlife hotspot. There's Howl at the Moon, which is right next to Point Orlando. That's a, that's a piano bar uh, for adults. So, you know, they're going to have better... Oh, is there a piano bar for children? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I mean, this is, this is, when I say adults, I mean, this isn't even like the one... This isn't even like Jelly Rolls. I mean, yeah. They, they actually, this is a... Yeah. They can get a little dirty. It's yeah. blue. Yeah, they can. Um, you know, there's a, there's a Festival, Bay, Festival Bay Mall over there. There's the Prime Outlets. Um, I don't know if you're going to have a car or not. If you don't, there's the, the iRide trolley, trolley that you can take up and down the street. Texas Day Brazil is on iDrive. Yeah, that's a, that's another mm. great uh, mm. great restaurant. Also, you know the McDonald's over there. Just a little tidbit: it's the it's the world's largest entertainment and playground McDonald's. So if you pass it, you know it's two stories. Um, there's a sixty foot super slide in there, sixty arcade games. That's the one on uh, Sand Lake Road. Sand Lake Road. Yeah, you can't miss it. As long as they're right there on iDrive. If you're looking for um, iDrive, in my opinion, tends to be 
uber touristy. Yeah. It's kind of, there's yeah. parts of it that are a little tacky and a little cheesy. Especially between Kirkman and Sand Lake. I call that the buy two t-shirts, get a free coffee mug area. Right. You know? But Sand Lake Road and International Drive is the beginning of what we in Orlando refer to as Restaurant Row. Mm-hmm. And there's a great number of restaurants right over in what we know we call the Dr. Phillips area. So it's just a couple of blocks off of uh, International Drive and Sand Lake Road. Yeah, well, there's a, actually uh, International Drive is broken up into two sections. Uh, one section is called the Plaza International section. The other one isn't. You want to be in the Plaza International section. That's the less cheesy, mm-hmm. uh, the less cheesy section. That's where FAO Schwartz is. It's where Point Orlando is. Mm, FAO Schwartz is no longer. Yeah, they read well, Point Orlando and got rid well, of it. Well, where FAO Schwartz used to be then. They got some. New, Shows you how long I, it's been since I've been down there. New food choices down in that area. They have a Tommy Bahama restaurant. Yeah. I want to add on to what Corey said before about the iRide I trolley. I just read that uh, Aquatica is now being added as a stop. So if you're going to be yeah. in that area, you could take the iRide trolley right down to Aquatica. And yeah, it's right up the street from SeaWorld, sure. Yeah. yeah, there's some there's some really nice restaurants over there. There's a website that we always use to make our reservations. It's called opentable.com. And it's not only for Orlando or Florida. I mean, it's it's virtually all, it's anywhere, all over yeah. the place. You go on that website, you can select iDrive location, and, and they'll list some pretty nice restaurants if you're looking for a nice meal. That's a good um, idea. At a nice steakhouse. I see you have Cafe Tutu Tango Cafe on Tutu there. Tango is, is one that we go to. It's, a, it's an all-appetizer um, place to eat. A lot of artwork on the, on the walls. There are artists in there drawing. And, and fortune tellers. Fortune tellers, yeah. <laughs> we were in there one night, and they had, I don't know what the, the, tech, the politically correct term is, but they had... Small people, flamenco dancers. What? What? Diminutive people. <laughs> yes. What does that mean? Small they, people, flamingo dancers. Flamenco is what he said, not flamingo. Flamenco dancers. It's a oh, dance style. Not the bird? No. no. Okay. <laughs> and it was 30 or 40 of them who came out and did flamenco dances while you ate. It, it can get a little surreal in there. Yeah, it can. Yes. <laughs> there are also a number of miniature golf courses on International Drive. Yeah, it really depends on what you want to do as a couple, you know? Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much, Corey. All right, we're going to move on to our next email. Erica uh, took the time to uh, call us and uh, leave us a, a nice uh, a nice size review on Aquatica. She had a chance to go for the annual pass holder preview. And uh, so here's Erica and her... Her take on SeaWorld's newest uh, park, Aquatica. Hi, Diz Unplugged team. This is Erica. Um, I was calling because uh, we have just come back, my husband and I being the we, have just come back from um, the pass holder preview of Aquatica. Today is Sunday, February 24th, and I know a couple weeks ago someone had written in asking if you guys had any information on uh, Aquatica, and so I wanted to give you... Um, my review um, of the new water park. Um, let me start off by saying that we were very impressed with the park. When I first got in the gate and saw the map, I thought, oh, there's only 12 attractions. Um, I figured we'd be in and out in half a day, and we were there from the time they opened. Uh, we got there about 10.45 this morning. They opened at 10. We were there. We closed down the park at 6 o'clock tonight, and there were still things that we hadn't done. So um, all in all, had a really great day, just to, to preface my, my review with that. Um, some of the things that we really enjoyed that I felt made the park very unique um, were obviously sort of their headliner attraction uh, as displayed in their, their art that's been on their the Aquatica website for some time, the water slide that goes down through the pool that has the commerce and dolphins in it um, was very neat. You don't really see a whole lot when you're on the slide going through it because you're moving pretty fast, but it's fun to stand outside and uh, watch through the observation deck um, the people going down the slide and the dolphins playing. They're, they're very beautiful dolphins, something very unique I've never seen before. They really seem like very playful dolphins, so that was a lot of fun. Um, there are some great food options. The, we had for lunch um, a chef-cut um, ham and turkey sandwich, which was, was on focaccia bread. It was very thick and uh, was real ham. It wasn't just like little belly slices, which I thought was really neat. They also offer an all-you-care-to-eat buffet that you can do either for just one kind of go through and all-you-care-to-eat, and once, but once you leave the restaurant, you're done, or you can purchase for like eight bucks more. You can come and go as much as you want during the whole day to the buffet. So if you wanted to eat something at 10.30 and then come back again at 2.30 and then come back again at 5.30, 
you could, um, which for 20 bucks, it's the all-you-care-to-eat um, all-day option. And then the one time, I think, was 14 So very reasonably priced food. Um, we thought that the water slides were great. They seemed like they were very fast compared to what I've been used to at other water parks in the past, um, as well as the, the floats, the inner tubes and the, the floats you use, like on a speed slide. Um, seemed a lot lighter than I'm used to. I don't know if they use new material, but we were very pleased with that. The arms didn't get nearly as tired as they usually do um, at a water park. There are free life vests for everyone from little tots all the way up through adults, which are great, particularly on one of their more unusual rides, which is a sort of being a lazy river. It's a fast river rapid ride, but you're not allowed to have inner tubes in there. And we found, as see, most families did toward the end of the day, um, that if you put on the life vest, you could kind of float through the rapids, and it made it a lot of fun. We went around and around several times on that. Um, we actually found that more fun than the, the typical lazy river, which they also have. Um, with your typical inner tubes, and that actually floats right past the Commerce and Dolphin, another viewing window, so you can kind of float through and look at the dolphins, which was fun. Um, there are two wave pools. Both of them um, have intermittent waves. One wave pool has huge, gigantic waves, um, and then the other wave pool just has sort of low, constant waves. And it's about a 20-minute cycle. Um, the waves go for eight minutes, and then it's off for about 12 minutes. So um, we enjoy both wave pools, had a lot of fun. Plenty of chairs and umbrellas. That was something very distinctive that we really liked. Um, huge umbrellas covering you know, eight and ten chairs at a time so that everybody could be in the shade if they wanted to or in the sun, sandy beach area where all the chairs are. Um, I don't think that they would ever run out of chairs. I really don't. Um, all the pools and all the rides um, that aren't like water slides are zero entry, so there's no stairs. It just is a gradual slope right into the water, which I thought was really great for accessibility issues. The other thing that I saw, um, neither my, my husband or I have accessibility issues, but what I really liked, um, there were handicap accessible lockers with handles on them to make that access easier. And in the restrooms, the, the handicap accessible stalls were huge. And I thought that that was really nice. And as well as in the showers, at least in the, in the women's showers, um, the handicap had a, had a seat that you could pull down to sit in, in the shower, shower off at the end of the day. I thought that that was pretty unique and, and great. Um, also in the showers, they provided shampoo and conditioner and body wash is there um, kind of mounted in little dispensers on the wall, which I thought was nice of them. Um, what else do we like? The restrooms were so clean. That was something that really jumped out at me. Typically, by the middle of the day, the restrooms are kind of scummy and wet, and there's icky stuff that you can't identify on the floor. And every time I went into the restroom at Aquatica, um, there was always someone in there mopping. And my husband said that it was the same in the men's restroom. And when I actually approached her to ask, you know, to apologize for walking through where she just mopped, she said um, that she was just trying to keep it from being really slippery. And I thought that that was really something you don't see very often um, in theme parks and water parks anywhere else. And I really liked that little touch. Um, they had healthy options for food is something I forgot to mention, and I really appreciated that. They had um, cups of strawberries instead of right next to the cups of cookies um, when you when you purchase at uh, the place that we ate, um, which was like the waterfront grill, I think is the name of it. I really like that. Um, we didn't go for strawberries, but if you like the healthier options, they do have them as well as some salads and some wraps um, to go with the food. Um, their, the landscaping was really pretty. We liked the whimsical colors. Um, both my husband and I commented on that, but it just felt very um, fresh and unique to have sort of the sort of primary colors with some uh, secondary colors thrown in, but it wasn't garish or um, they're just very whimsical and very fun. Just kind of left you with feeling kind of a lighthearted mood. They're great um, children's areas. Neither my, We don't have any children of, of our own, but we, we noticed the children's areas. There's kind of a huge area for like really little kids, to play with some really tiny kind of starter water slides that were very short that you could go on with your parents that looked like they were a lot of fun. The kids that were doing them um, had big grins on their faces, little, little kids. Um, and then there's sort of an area sort of for the, you're not quite a teenager, maybe you're not big enough to do all the big rides that had a little bit bigger water slides. So it's not for the little teeny kids. But, um, I thought that was really a unique option to kind of have slides tailored at really little kids and then sort of the, the medium kids before you could actually get on the adult slides. Um, most height options for the adult slides were either 42 or 48 inches tall, depending on the slide. Um, all in all, we were very pleased. There were a couple things that, that we think uh, could use some improvement. Um, we do think there needs to be more signage that give you paper maps when you go in the park, which are great until you get wet and then the paper disintegrates. Um, so uh, I think they need some more signs just around to kind of direct you where you're going. 
Um, foot showers would have been nice. That's something that several water parks have been to have, so you can wash the sand off of your feet. And I didn't have any of that. Um, I expected to have more integration with animals. Maybe that's just from the promotions and stuff. But really, you have the slide with the Congressman's dolphins, and there's a little bit of a fish tank um, in the Lazy River, and then there were some parrots out. And they were beautiful and wonderful, but I just expected a little bit more than that. Um, and I think that's something that they can fix, though, um, in, in the future. So those are the only, really the things that we found to be um, not even disappointment, but just easily fix things that uh, maybe weren't perfect. So all in all, we had a really great day. We will definitely be back since we are pass holders. Um, and I hope that uh, you guys have a good time when you go to Aquatica. We can't wait to hear your review and see if you had as good a time as we did. And love the show, and talk to you soon. Well, first of all, Erica, thank you very much. That was a uh, a really, really interesting review. We did, actually, I was supposed to be uh, at uh, uh, a pass holder preview for Aquatica, but I ended up spending 12 hours in the emergency room, so... Uh, it didn't work out so well. I much rather would have been in Aquatica, but uh, the uh, uh, especially the uh, the all you can eat, all you care to eat buffet that you can go into and out of all day for twenty dollars. That sounds awesome! Incredible, yeah. incredible idea. It's We've a great idea. This, yeah. Actually, my mom, we were in Las Vegas, and she was. We went to a buffet, and she not a big eater at all at one time, and she said she would give anything for that option to buy a wristband. And go through, and an hour later go through again, yeah, and sort of graze. So I think it's a great idea. I, I think, think someone's it, finally caught on. Exactly. You exactly. know, also besides it being a, a money saving thing, if you eat a lot, it, it's also good for to prevent heat stroke. Mm. You know what a lot of people do in the water parks? They forget to eat, and they're in the sun all day. A lot of the the heat related issues we had to deal with at a blizzard. You know, we're like, when's the last meal you had? Oh, we haven't. We didn't eat yet. Or we were, we were going to eat later. I mean, this this might be a great way for you know parents like okay, you need to eat now. Right. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, they're the experts are now telling us that if the healthiest way to eat is not three meals a day, but six much smaller meals yep. a day. So right. grazing throughout the day is actually better for you. So these parks that are pushing us towards healthier fare, I think it's a great idea. Her, exactly. Her description of the cleanliness of the restrooms is very similar to Discovery Cove because we found the same thing when we visited there. Um, also, they should put in little stone maps like they have at Discovery Cove. They don't use paper maps at Discovery Cove because of the fact, you know, the dolphins don't need to have the paper in their tanks, but also because they can become ruined. Right. So if they could station some of those around like they have there, it'd be very good. I like the handicap accessible yeah, points I like that, that she too. brought out. You know, it's, it seems like they've thought about it and actually responded to people's I'm you know, impressed people's that Eric needs. had noticed a lot of people who are not, don't deal with people who are handicapped. That's something they wouldn't notice. I get the impression that Eric has been listening to the show for a while. So, yeah, I was impressed by the fact that she noticed the details. One of the things uh, she mentioned, the dolphins, I, I, I believe uh, I've read somewhere where there's, there's four dolphins that are in the tank. And sometimes, the dolphins, yeah. yeah. And sometimes when you're going down the water slide, you're going so fast that you really don't have time to see the dolphins as you shoot by them. But I saw some video on it, and it looks pretty cool. This was not one of those things that excited me. I'm not a big water park fan. I was like, eh, it's another water park in town. Hearing that there's an observation area for that, hearing this uh, quick lazy river that she described i think it's definitely something we should take a day trip to and go check it out Woo-hoo, i can't trip. wait to go yeah I, mean, I wouldn't do you know the big slides that's just not my thing but i think there's a lot of other stuff to see yeah we are going to try I, I am going to try and schedule this sometime this month because i'll tell you march is just a crazy oh, month yeah. here um, i'm going to try and schedule sometime th- one day this month to get over there and uh, and check it out i'm dying to see it i really wanted to see it for the previews but like i said you know that didn't work out. I also know, too, that previews, while it's cool to be the first people in, you don't always get the full experience. Right. They're really not up and running. It's not. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I'll never base, I'll never base uh, an official review on the site on a preview uh, for that very reason. You had mentioned that, uh, Erica had mentioned that uh, she didn't see as many a- animals as uh, she was hoping to. And I think that might have been a, a, a part of the preview process that they're still working out some of their, their logistics. And that might be why, because I know that. During the press event last year, they went out of their way to say there was going to be a lot of animal interaction in the park. Yeah. So I know that is part of their plan, 
And I think, Julie, you even mentioned that you'd seen it on the news. I saw on the news. That I guess this was after the preview, the soft opening, where guests were allowed to come in, not just pass holders. And you were allowed to pet certain things like a sloth and the birds and all kinds of different animals. One of the things people have to remember is uh, where it is brand new and these animals are just getting acclimated to the crowds and everything. I know SeaWorld's very big on if the animal doesn't want to play today, they don't. Mm-hmm. play and they just leave them in the back area and they don't push them out there just to have animals out there. Do they know how much we paid for this vacation? I know. Really? But uh, SeaWorld is <laughs> always been, I mean <laughs> there and over at Animal Kingdom if the animals don't want to play they don't play. Right. And that, that's that's good. You know, don't force them to come out. I'm happy to hear about the chairs too. That, that's always been a big thing. Chairs are prime real estate at water parks. How about that umbrella? Yeah, the big eight? umbrellas, the Covers yeah. eight to ten chairs. That's, that's, that's nice. A yeah. big I want one of them. There, there's some people out there who are really putting some thought into this, which is really nice. I mean, at Blizzard and Typhoon, they cover two chairs. But we've said it before. SeaWorld, SeaWorld runs a great theme park. Mm-hmm. They really do a great job, and they put a lot of thought and a lot of attention, not just into their their animals and the care their animals get, but also the uh, their guests and the care their guests get. Um, so, I, I can't thank you enough for that, Eric. I really appreciate you taking the time to call in that review and. And uh, as a way of showing our appreciation, we want you to go ahead and pick a number for uh, spending all that time and, and, and giving us that great review. You get a shot at one of the envelopes, and who knows, maybe you'll join us on a cruise. Ooh, Erica. So thank you very much for that. And uh, I have an email here I'd like to leave, uh, read that comes to us from uh, Skip Potter. Hi, my name is Skip. I really enjoy your show every week. My disability is spastic quadriplegia cerebral palsy. I absolutely love Disney. I've made 39 trips to Disney with my family. Disney is absolutely fantastic as far as accessibility goes. It's the only place that I do not have to worry about barriers, and my family is comfortable with letting me be on my own. They do not have to worry about me getting stuck somewhere. Also, the cast members are wonderful to me. I have freedom on Disney property, and for me, that is magic. I just wanted to say that the now-dismissed Segway lawsuit was absolutely silly. I hope it does not discourage anyone with a disability from ever visiting Disney property. I love Disney so much that I hope to attend the University of Central Florida Rosen College and major in hospitality with a focus on theme park management. The campus is set up like a resort hotel and even has a bar. Mm -hmm. The hospitality theme park campus is on Universal Boulevard next to the Shingle Creek Golf Resort. You should do a segment on the theme park portion of UCF's hospitality program. That is a fantastic idea, Skip. Keep up the good work. I love the video camera on the ECV. At Nemo and Friends, does Bob call the wheelchair accessible clam mobile a wheel a wheelchair clam? <laughs> yeah. So, really appreciate that, Skip, and uh, I, I think that's a it's a great perspective for us to hear uh, that you know someone dealing with some of the issues you're dealing with can go to Disney and and have that uh, that freedom. I'm sure that must be a, a it's it's probably not something you get to get a chance to experience. Unfortunately, everywhere you go, and we've mentioned on the show before that. Uh, you know, we found we found that you know Disney's uh, D- Disney's accessibility uh, is is probably the best in the industry, and uh, to hear this from you certainly backs that up. And uh, we're going to go ahead and take your suggestion uh, to try and uh, do a segment if UCF will work with us on this uh, to do a, a segment on the theme park management program. So you get to pick a number too, Skip. Go ahead and pick a number. So thank you for writing into us. Remember when we went over and saw the um, the backstage tour of uh, Halloween Horror Nights over Universal? We talked to that cast member. I'm actually looking at Kevin. We talked to that. Who's nodding in agreement. <laughs> right. I know people can't see me. We talked to that uh, employee over there who said they actually have cross-training with Disney for uh, handicapped accessibility. That Disney is the standard in the industry, and this is one of the places where Universal and Disney will partner up. And they'll send uh, their employees over to Disney to learn about how to do it better. Wow. Yeah. Also, um, Mr. Rosen is one of the business titans in Orlando. Oh, yeah. He owns a lot of the hotels in Orlando. And he's very involved in the community. And that's, yeah, a, I was just going to say he's a real decent man. Right. A real uh, contributor to the community. So he, that's who the, the program is named after. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Good luck at UCF. You can finish. I'm proof of that. That's right. Julie is a graduate of uh, the University of Central Florida. We should tell him what you mean. 
Oh, because at UCF they say it's you can't finish because say you get two years into your program, they'll change something on you and you have to go back and redo stuff. But I have to say, I did it in the appropriate amount of time. With a bar on campus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the one time day Corey actually came to campus with me, he sat in that bar and drank. Well, I went to class. <laughs> what else am I supposed to do? Walk through the bookstore? <laughs> Did you go to law school? Did you try to pass the bar? <laughs> I ate there every day with my girlfriend. Oh, uh, that's what I wish I had more sound effects for the show. <laughs> All right. Thank you again for that, Skip. We really appreciate it. Julie will get in touch with you to find out what number you'd like to pick. And who else would like to uh, read an email? Oh, well, the I mean, hands, hands are you flying up. One. Julie's got her hands on her hips right now. I'll let John now. go first, because I know he has one he really wants to read. All right, John, I haven't ahead. read one yet. I have one from Jay Mayers in Jackson, Mississippi. Hey, podcast team, I just booked my family through Dreams Unlimited Travel for our first Disney cruise. We're traveling in October, and unfortunately have to settle for the three-day cruise due to school schedules. We already take them out of school for a week-long trip in Walt, to Walt Disney World in January. I have two questions. What is the earliest time and the latest time you can board the ship? Are there any activities on the ship on the day of departure if you were boarding the ship early? And what do you suggest the family with an eight- and six-year-old girls to do? Um, there's no official start time. The doors don't open at an official time on the Disney Cruise Line ship. It's right around noon. Yeah. It usually depends on how, what happens on the ship beforehand. Can they get it turned over in time? It might be a few minutes early, a few minutes late. Um, you do want to get to the terminal early, though, because you want to go through the check-in process and make sure you're ready to get on the ship in, in enough time. I did want to read this email, though, specifically because there's been some changes um, from U.S. Customs and Border Protection very recently. And as of February 19th, the U.S. Border, Customs and Border Protection Agency now requires that the uh, crew manifest and the um, guest uh, manifest be given to them from the cruise line no later than 60 minutes prior to departure. Okay. So what this means is now Disney Cruise Line, which departs at 5 p.m., needs to get all of the guest information to them by 4 p.m. So you need to make sure that you're at the port and checked in and ready to get on the ship by 4 p.m. And correct me if I'm wrong, at 4 p.m. is usually when they do the lifeboat drill, isn't it? That is so you true. need to be on. I think you need to be on even before that because you. It's also mandatory. Coast Guard Coast Guard regulations require that right. everyone everyone on the ship uh, do the life the uh, lifeboat drill. That is true. And the, one of the things we want to point out to people is that there are always unexpected delays. There might be traveling delays. They suggest that you contact Disney Cruise Line or your travel agent so that they can make sure they let Disney Cruise Line know that you might be late. If you are going to be late. Um, and you do Disney Air, um, there's going to be a team at the airport that will assist you. And guests arriving between 3 and 3.45 p.m. can go to this special agent at the airport, and you'll actually be checked in for the ship at the, at the airport. So don't sort of uh, panic too much about that. And by Disney Air, John means if you book your airfare through Disney Cruise Line, it does not mean that Disney has their own airline service. I, I apologize for not being clear about that. I want to make sure I want to uh, You want to that. book your air through Disney. Um, they also have the right to deny you board, boarding if you're too late for this customs check-in. Or if they don't like you. <laughs> if you don't look right. And what they want to they let you know that uh, some people can have the option of boarding at the next port of call at your own expense or you can then try to get some sort of refund. Oof. On a three-day cruise, I wouldn't go for this. Yeah, really. Yeah, you miss no the ship, forget it. Yeah. But I get a picture of this person that's checking in at the airport, grabbing you by the hand and dragging you through. Hurry up, let's go. Running through the airport yeah. at top speed. What I, what I, you know, my personal rule of thumb is I will not be at that terminal any later than like 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, that yeah. is the absolute latest I would get there. I want to go back and answer one of his questions. Uh, there's not a lot of activity. Okay. I'm sorry, I twitched. There's not a lot of activities planned when you first board. There's a lunch buffet uh, up at the buffet on the, the ninth deck. There is usually lunch being served in Parrot Key. And what I would suggest is that you keep your kids swimsuit tucked in your carry-on bag that you're going to keep with you as you board the ship. Your luggage will be taken by the porters and brought to your stateroom, but the pools are open. 
So if you're looking for something to keep your kids occupied, I would make sure that you had either their swimsuits on or in your carry-on bag. There will be towels provided for you. And then there's a sail-away party, which is a prior, just prior to departure that goes on during the departure, but there's not really any organized activities for you or your kids when you first board the ship. That food thing is an organized thing yeah. for me. I, I'm, yes, a, I'm I, all I, over I, that. I understand. I've seen you eat. It's pretty disorganized. <laughs> we love getting on the ship yeah. early. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just even I mean, walking around, getting used to it. I usually try to get there around 11. On our celebrity Mediterranean cruise, we were the first ones on that ship. It was, it was uh, great. I just want to point out, too, with Disney Cruise Line, you're... Uh, the likelihood of your room being ready right away is is slim, so you don't want to plan on trying to get to your room. Okay. That usually happens around 2 o'clock where they'll let you into your stateroom. So you do want to make sure that you have something for the kids to change into and and take part in the swimming and the stuff that's going on on the ship at that time. But as Pete mentioned as well, you have to make sure you're ready for the uh, lifeboat drill. That's a planned activity. Really? The other nice thing to do when you first get on the ship is familiarize yourself with the layout of the yeah. ship. Just sort of taking your own little walking tour to see, oh, this is here, this is here, this is here, will make your first night easier. And on a three-night cruise, while we love the three-night cruises, they tend to be fun-filled and kind of packed with stuff to do. Yeah. You're not going to find a lot of downtime where you can explore. This is a great time to explore the ship and see yeah. things. Good that point. And one more point I want to make, too, is if you haven't made your Palo reservations, your spa reservations, check the kids into the, the children's activities online. This is what you're want to, going to want to do when you first get on the ship. I want to make sure this is a point of contention for a lot of people. And there's a lot of panic involved. I didn't make my reservations ahead of time. We'll be shut out of what we want to do. Disney does hold back a large number of these reservations and these spots for people once they get on the ship. So don't freak out and think, oh, my God, I have to run here and do the whole split up. And They realize that not everyone has access to the Internet or is Internet right. savvy. So reservations have been held back for that. So that's one of the things you're going to want to do if you haven't done that in advance. That whole thing in the afternoon, that just flies by so quick. Next thing you know, the boat's pulling out yeah. once you get on. And it's like, Wow. So, you know, it really is a, a quick thing that happens in the afternoon. Yeah. Agreed. Great. Well, thank you very much for that, John. Uh, Mrs. Martin, you have an email you want to read? It's from Deb Silhan in Readington, New Jersey. Hi, Pete and the podcast gang. I thought it might be helpful for listeners to know that three times now, while at Walt Disney World, I have experienced their card machines failing. Room key cards as well as bank cards would not swipe. Twice at Epcot and once at the studios. Each time at night. In Epcot, it was at the kiosk outside of the beer garden, Summerfest. After finally selecting our beers, tough decision, she says, and pretzels, our lovely German server exclaimed, and I quote, Well, our machines don't work. Cash only, please. Done, schnell, schnell. Thankfully, one of our party had to come with cash, enough so that we didn't forgo our German beers. At the studios, it was the stand that sells the turkey legs, or dinosaur bones. Again, long lines dinosaur to find bones. out. We could not use our room keys or credit cards. Cash was the only form of payment accepted on those nights. Fortunately, we were prepared, but if we hadn't been, and we were a family with hungry, cranky little ones, it would have ruined an otherwise pleasant Disney experience. Our faithful podcast, Dizzer. Cool. This is a good tip. However, I must say I've never experienced their, their card machines. We never and we out. haven't either. But I just, you know, today in today's society, we're, we use credit cards and our debit cards for everything. Lots Always of people don't cash carry cash. Yeah. But this, this is a very good tip. You don't expect. You know, yeah. you, you show up there and you think, I could just use my credit card. I John did see this happen at uh, some of the food and wine uh, stations. Yeah, but that's because they give those of them, them those funky satellite credit card readers. Yeah, yeah, they use that weird remote thing where someone's out in line doing it and checking you in. We're talking about those ones that are plugged in. This is something yeah. John yells at me all the time. He'll say to me, do you have any money? I say, no, I have my debit card. He'll say, you don't have a dollar? I know I don't have a dollar on me. He yells at me all the time. Now I have that. another argument. What happens if you're at Disney and their cash machines go down and you need a print on a beer? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that, Julie. I have another email here from Alan Bird in Walled Lake, Michigan. He writes, we listen to your show as we drive to the northern part of Michigan each weekend for snow skiing. Do you guys miss the snow living in Florida? No. My wife and I attended the Disney Institute and loved it. Why did Disney stop offering these programs? Well, Alan, actually, um, uh, the Disney Institute stopped being in existence for two reasons. Number one, 
people just didn't really like it. You were uh, the only two that <laughs> loved it. I think you were probably uh, among a handful of people who actually uh, who actually enjoyed it. the The target market for Disney really, I don't think, was interested in going to, going to school when they came down here. Actually, Even though there was some you know, some great programs there, my parents absolutely loved it. I know a lot of people that really, you know, some people that really enjoyed it. But you know, first of all, it was a lot more expensive uh, than you know. You, it's, it's, it was you know, it's expensive enough just for the hotel and the theme park tickets. Now you're adding on these classes, and honestly, I think Disney reached a point where they said, you know, we can make a lot more money with that with this if we turn it into uh, Saratoga Springs and sell it as a DVC resort, and that's exactly what's happened. Yeah. So I mean, money, money, and guest interest, I think, is what ultimately doomed uh, the Disney Institute. What I missed most about the Disney Institute was the restaurant they used to have over there, yes. uh, Seasons. Seasons. Was one of the best restaurants on property. Incredible food was served there. We had a great meal. And great meals. I, but I, had, I never had a bad meal there. Yeah. yeah but they I mean, had culinary instructors cooking. Yeah. yeah. So you knew that, you know, you were they knew what good. they were doing. Right. And it was always a new, uh, a new uh, menu for each season, hence yeah. the name. Diana and I did a, a, a cooking... Uh, one of those classes, and we, uh, Brian and uh, Aaron did a, a thing on uh, a radio, being a radio host mm-hmm. over there. They had a great time, but the price got so out of control that they were charging so much, and it was just crazy. I have a little interesting thing about the Disney Institute. When I was in IT and we supported the resorts, a friend of mine was assigned to the Disney Institute, and one of the things he said part of their problem was is they had a policy of they would never cancel a, a course. So even if there was one person who was signed up for that course, they would still run the course. So while you think they're making a lot of money because they're charging a lot of money, two or three people in a course wasn't worth it right. for them. So financially, it wasn't run the best way it could be run. But I thought that was interesting that they just had a policy, we'll never cancel a course. We don't care. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, uh, that email. All right, we have our final two voicemails for today's show. First, we have Denise, who has a question about babysitting services at Disneyland. Hi, Pete, John, Kevin, Bob, Corey, and Julie. This is Denise, J-P-E-K-A-65844 on the boards, calling from Olathe, Kansas. I've said it before, but I'll tell you again how much I enjoy your podcast. I do listen to other Disney World podcasts, but they cannot hold a candle to the roundtable. Thanks so much for all you do, and you share your wealth with your listeners. You are so generous. Um, My husband and I are wanting to plan a summer vacation to Disneyland. We'll most likely be staying at the Grand Californian and would like to try Napa Rose. I've heard you all rave about it, and it sounds delicious. However, we will have our son with us, who will be three by then, and don't really feel that this restaurant would be appropriate for him. He's too young to go to the kids' club, however, that's at the uh, Grand Californian Hotel. My question is this. Is there a babysitting service at Disneyland similar to Kids' Night Out or Fairy Godmothers at Disney World, someone that can come to a room and take care of a young child um, just for an hour or two? Thanks again. You guys are the best. Well, Denise, you are correct. Uh, the Napa Rose is not the place to bring a three-year-old uh, yeah. Um but you're going to have a wonderful time there. And as far as babysitting services, yes, Disneyland has a number of options. All you need to do when you get to the resort is call guest services, and they will set that up for you. Uh, they do the same thing out there. They do they do here. They have some great companies that they work with that are very well vetted, um, and uh, will come and take care of uh, will come and take care of the little one for a few hours, give you and your husband a chance to go enjoy what is quite possibly the best restaurant Disney has ever put on one of its properties, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, mine, too. So, if she's going to be out there the same time you are, maybe you can watch the kid for her. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> Pete's babysitting. Yeah, I'm going to be out, uh, I'm going to be out in Disneyland uh, the early part of April. But it's a busy trip. I've got a, lot, uh, I've got a lot going on while I'm out there. And hopefully, hopefully there'll be some things going on while I'm out there that I'll be able to talk about when I get back. Uh, but we can't jinx it. <laughs> we can't jinx it, so... But I uh, hope that answers your question, Denise. Just like I said, just give a give a holler to uh, guest services when you get to the resort, and they can set that up for you. And our final voicemail today comes to us from David, who has some uh, some comments on some previous shows and uh, some suggestions for a segment. 
And here's Dave. Id. Hello, podcast team. My name is David from Carthage, Illinois. I'm calling actually with three little items, and I'll try to keep it quick. I first wanted to give a little mini trip report and then possibly a tip slash segment idea as well as uh, a possible some feedback from an email show that was recent. First thing is we had called, I had called actually back in November, and my voicemail was played because we were leaving on a trip. And over this trip in December, my wife would be around six, six and a half months pregnant. And I was wondering how she could best enjoy her trip, uh, even though we enjoyed all the thrill rides that she obviously would not be able to go on. I'm happy to report that she absolutely loved her time. We had an amazing trip, definitely a different trip. But a few ways we got around her not being able to go on those rides were mainly that I would do the rides, either go to the park early with another family member or go by myself, or when she went back for a nap with our son, uh, I would stay and do some rides. And that way, I felt better that she was not sitting outside of the rides feeling bad that she could not go on any of the big attractions. And in addition, it actually ended out that I enjoyed the trip more than any I had in the past because I was not consumed with getting on all those big ticket attractions uh, because obviously she could not ride. So thank you for all that advice. And while we were at Ohana's, we were actually sitting at the table, and all of a sudden, out of the uh, corner of my eye, I see somebody come out of the back, and I hear a ukulele playing. And the comments that were discussed on the show about the supposed female impersonator at Ohana's uh, made it to the point where it was our wedding anniversary, my son's two-year-old uh, two birthday, and we all had buttons on. And once she started singing and walking that way and singing her Kiss on the Lips and all of her other songs, we actually became fearful that she would come over and we would not be able to stop laughing as she was singing. So we hit our buttons and threw my son's uh, bib over his buttons so that nobody would see them because we did not want to have to deal with trying not to laugh during this whole process. My next thing, my possible tip and or segment idea, I was wondering if there would be an interesting segment about how to maximize your dining plan uh, dollar or your dining plan credits. One thing that we tried was we used... Uh, a dining plan credit, one dining plan credit, and split it at table service restaurants a few times on our trip, specifically at Liberty Tree as well as at Kona. And it was really nice that we got to sit to, at those nicer places. We didn't have to worry about eating huge and having all this food to waste, and we were able to split that. And it really helped stretch those dining service credits further to make us able to eat at other places. So I thought that might be an interesting tip or a segment, whichever you choose that would have it work well so that people might have some other ways how to maximize their dining plan credits. The last thing real quick was on a recent email show, somebody had mentioned uh, the opportunity or the possibility of using leftover snack credits at the end of your trip to get some chocolates or some other snacks to take back on the plane with you. And unfortunately, as far as I understand it, and I could definitely be wrong, the new 2008 plan has eliminated that wide variety of possibilities, and the Disney information says one snack includes one of the following, a frozen ice cream novelty, a popsicle, a fruit bar, a single serving box of popcorn, a single serving bag of chips, a single piece of whole fruit, a 20-ounce bottle of a Coke product, a medium fountain soft drink or juice, a 12-ounce coffee, hot chocolate, or hot tea. And that is all it says. I don't know if that is different actually in the parks, but that's what their website says. Uh, thank you for taking the time to listen to this long message, Pete. Thank the rest of you for all of the work you do, and uh, hopefully we'll hear something soon. Well, Kevin's first reaction to uh, your segment suggestion was, I hate the Disney dining plan. <laughs> I answer so many of these questions about how can I maximize those credits, and I have to tell you, unless you're going to have a spreadsheet and you want to carry it around with you, I just think, I posted this on the board the other day, I think it's a pain in the neck. And I think the fact that you're on vacation and have to figure out how many credits you have and how the best use your credits and where your credits can be used and what your credits can be used for, it, it to me, is a huge burden. Because you've got a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of people posting on that thread talking about, you know, that's part of what they love. They love the whole planning process and that, you know, one woman said she did save some money. Uh, doing it so you know if you plan properly you can save money and it can be a very a very rewarding experience for you it's just that there so many people are confused by it and are looking for the best uh, i think that's I, why i dislike it it's the fact that it's just it, it, to some people it's incomprehensible uh -huh. it just becomes very very confusing i do want to say this though dave 
I have not heard that where you can go and order one meal and split it using a Disney dining plan. I think that's a terrific idea. I don't know if you've run into someone who was lucky. You were lucky and ran into someone who would let you do that. I don't. Yeah, I think, thought that most most of the places would not allow that. Right. You can you can split a meal in general if you're going to pay cash for it, but if you're going to. Split your credit. I've never heard of that before. So more power to you for finding it. Like Liberty Tree Tavern, that's that's they bring it to the table. Well, you couldn't do that. Well, that's, he, I think he's probably talking about lunch when you order a la carte. Oh, or even you know if he goes to a sit down restaurant, ordering one meal and split it between. Two but that's people. what Disney wants you to perceive is it's so easy to deal with, and mm-hmm. it, if you want to get your money's worth, you really have to work. If at you're it. doing it for ease and you just don't want to think about handling money and you want to just walk into restaurants and order what you want on it, great. If you're one of those people who wants to obsess over it and figure out how to get your best nickel out of it, great. It works for you. If you're one of those people like me who wants to go on vacation and doesn't want to decide 180 days in advance where you want to eat dinner, I think this becomes burdensome. I'm of the... the uh, I don't want to live i want to live in the moment mm-hmm. and i i understand that that precludes you from eating in some of the disney restaurants and i certainly understand making your reservations for the restaurants you really want to eat in but in, to plan out every day like that that to me doesn't sound like vacation that sounds like work life that sounds like work i mean i yeah. carry a, a an iphone around with my schedule in it now I don't want to be scheduled on vacation well i'll tell you what david though i i'm i'm not going to promise you we're going to do a segment on it uh, but uh, if we do, if I do decide to do a segment on maximizing the Disney dining plan, then you will absolutely, I'll absolutely give you a shot at, at one of the envelopes. But um, I'm not 100% sure I really yeah. w- that we'll do a segment on I it. I do want to address his, his thing about the snacks and that list that they gave him. Uh, I do know for a fact that when we went to review boat rights, I popped my head in the uh, um, store there, the general store, and they were still labels on the shelves under the things like the candies that said one snack credit you know you can use a snack credit for this i don't know if this is going to be a general shift in the change in policy if it is i'd be very disappointed i think that that's a stinky thing for disney to do to now say you're limited in your snacks where people have found a way around it especially most of the items are things that are going to melt or it, you can't, can't take, take them with it. I mean, yeah. with you. But I think that again, I've seen, definitely seen it in some of the resort um, gift shops. You can still do the one snack for some of the things you can take home. I can't promise that that's going to go away altogether. And if right. it does, shame on Disney. Well, we will. Uh, like I said, if we decide to do a, a segment on the on, on Disney dining plan, we'll absolutely let you go ahead and pick a number. But uh, we appreciate your phone call. We appreciate all the emails and phone calls we're getting. We'll remind everybody, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, it's toll-free in the United States, one 310 Or you can send us an email to podcast at wdwinfo.com. And with that, we will wrap up our show for today. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will be back with you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplug Roundtable. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, Anthony. 